From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Hello and welcome to From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio, the local cricket show where we round up all of the action from around the county in the local scene in Cambridgeshire. On today's show, we're joined by a very special guest indeed, Middlesex batsman, but former Cambridge man Max Holden. We'll chat to Max all about his time as a youngster in Cambridgeshire, playing for both St Giles and Cambridge, formerly known as Granta. His recent success in the T20 Blast, of course, recently hit a tonne. And what's it like batting with England skipper Owen Morgan too? He'll also be taking on Callum in the latest Beat the Guest quiz. Can Max be the first man to condemn Callum to defeat this season? We'll find out later on in the show. If you want to contribute, you can do at FTP Cricket 105 on both Twitter and Facebook. Make sure to get in touch, give us your opinions, views and thoughts on today's show. Thanks very much for tuning in. My name is Ollie Slack. Now, before we speak to Max, let's round up the action from the local scene in the Campton Hunts Premier League and the East Anglian Premier League too. As ever, I'm delighted to welcome onto the show my co-host Callum Guest. Thanks for coming on the show, Callum. Hello, mate. How have you been, mate? Good week? All good, mate, yeah. Very good week. Busy, busy weekend, cricket. Played <laughs> all three days, so not much bank holiday, bank holiday spirit or cricket. <laughs> yeah, of course, because the EAPL playing Saturday, Monday, but you had a cams game in between on the Sunday. Yeah, cams game went really well. Um, Last ball thriller? Yeah, good look at a few players. A lot, lot, lot of lads really, really done well, so it was nice. Good game. Josh Smith got 100. Mark Smith got three wickets. So, no, positive. Really good. Yeah, so Suffolk winning that game by one wicket. Cambridgeshire were batting first. Won the toss, 252 for seven off 50 overs. Suffolk chasing it down on the last ball with just the one wicket to spare. So a narrow loss for Cambridgeshire. But uh, as Callum said, going to look at some of those players. When are you next in action in a spotty maroon shirt, as they say? We are playing Bedfordshire this Sunday in a 40-over game at Flitwick. So, another good another good little test. I think they've been putting out quite strong teams recently. So, hopefully we put out a good side and get a positive result. Hopefully so. Go well for Cambridgeshire. Let's chat about the Camden Hunts Premier Leagues. Uh, start with Division 1, which is known as Whitings and Partners Division 1. Foxton defeated March by 66 runs, thanks to a Lennon-Lawrence 68. Histon beating taken by 40 runs in a rain-affected game via Duckworth Lewis. Cambridge St. Giles unfortunately lost by seven wickets to St. Ivestown and Warboys with nine balls to spare. Jack Haycock, the skipper for St. Ivestown and Warboys, getting 62 there at the top of the innings. And Wisbech Town versus Cambridge Twos was cancelled due to rain. There were also a couple of games on Monday due to a few being cancelled earlier on in the season, what we spoke about last week with the, the COVID test. And Histon thrashed Cambridge Twos. They got 281 for three of 40 overs. Will Brown in 157 not out of 106 balls, 12 fours, nine sixes, and a strike rate of 148. Incredible. Ben Leach as well, picking up four for five in that match too. So Histon won by 165 runs. And Eaton Soken defeated Cambridge St. Giles by seven wickets, four balls remaining. So a couple of close games for Cambridge St. Giles. Unfortunately, both times they ended up on the losing side. But all that matters is it leaves the playoffs as follows. Histon finished top, Fox in second, Eaton second, third and St Ives Town and Warboys fourth. So Histon only lost, came against St Ives Town and Warboys, Callum. And assuming the fixtures aren't out yet, I don't think, but looking at the playoffs, assuming it is first v fourth, Histon have got to try and remove that from their memory and uh, go again against St Ives Town and Warboys. Yeah, nice little uh, <laughs> nice little backstory behind that one. So it should be a... You know, competitive game, hopefully. I'd say they probably are probably the four best sides. Obviously, it's worked out that way, but, you know, there's been no cancellations or anything that have played a part in the in the structure that much. So, obviously, then for, you know, get, get another crack at it. Which be good. What are your predictions for how those playoffs will run then? Histon, obviously, against an Arsenal and Woolworths, Fox and Eaton Soken. How do you see the final shaping up? Put, put my money on a final. It'd probably be Histon versus uh, Eaton Soken. Um, but I wouldn't be putting too much on it. <laughs> <laughs> it goes with the saying every week that we say everyone can beat everyone. The playoffs, how do you think they've they've gone then um, this season? It's been obviously a new initiative into the Camden Hunts Premier League. I guess it keeps more teams involved. Everyone that's come on the show has been really in favour of it. Obviously, it keeps adds another element to the... You know, that kind of FA Cup feel, it adds, it really does add that into a, a league season, which is good. With my source and hat on, if it had happened last season, I probably wouldn't be as keen. Obviously, if you go for a season unbeaten, it's 
if you're going to go up to the APL, you want to have your best side throughout the whole course of the season, go up and obviously compete at that level rather than change it to a knockout style. But I think in the Hertfordshire Premier League, they kind of have that where you have your team that wins the overall season, but then you go into like a playoffs and it's almost like you play for a separate trophy. Yeah. The four. I think it's a, a good thing to do. You know, if East Anglian Premier League put that in, I'd probably be definitely in favour of it. Let's just quickly chat about Will Brown before we go on to the other divisions. Uh, for Histon, 157 off 106. Is that just a player who's too good for the division? He's an East Anglian Premier League player or is it too easy to say that? Probably too easy to say that. Obviously, it's a fantastic innings. Yeah, well, congratulations for that because I'll tell you what, that's a, that's a cracking score. <laughs> Yeah, he's done pretty well. Well, I ran up the other divisions then in Camden Hunts Premier League Division 2 North. Castle and Ellsworth finished top of that and have made it through to the playoffs, having won five out of six in Division 2 South East. It looks as though Godolphin uh, pulled out. Odd time to do so because they're uh, no longer on play cricket and their results have been null and void too. So Saffron Warden are still top. Those their second team, of course, Saffron Warden, still top with 12 points. Um, so they go through to the playoffs. And in Division 2 West, which is the one with seven teams, Southfield Park topped the... Uh, 17 division with 22 points again winning 5 out of 6 Old Lesians finished 2nd so they'll also qualify for the playoffs with 16 points 3 wins out of 6 so the playoffs are Castle and Ellsworth Saffron 2, Southfield Park and Old Lesians again we're not sure how those sides will face off against each other uh, just a quick word on the National Village Cup Eaton Soken unfortunately couldn't make it into the last 4 after suffering just a 5 run defeat to Redbourne Cricket Club Chasing 1-2-4 to win off 40 overs. They needed 15 heading into the last over, but couldn't get over the line. So commiserations to them. Come on, let's run at the Sangland Premier League before we hear from uh, our players this week, both from Burn Lexing and Saffron Walden. Their wins in the North Group on Monday for Horsford, Swardston and Mildenall. Uh, Saturday was a complete washout. So no games played in the North Group there. Uh, in the South Group, their wins on Saturday for yourself, Swardston of Abraham, Berry, St Edmunds, uh, Saffron Walden versus Cockdock and Old Ipswichon was cancelled. And on Monday, of course, Bank Holiday weekend, two games being played. There wins for Cockdock and Old Ipswichon, Sudbury and surprisingly Frinton on Sea. Um, I don't really want to start with this. It's not deliberate, but <laughs> first loss of the campaign for Sourcing of Abraham Callum. First loss in 22 league games of cricket as well. So how does that feel? Yeah, it was, it was uh, once again, a bit, like, a bit like the quiz earlier. It was always, you know, it was a massive chance it was always going to happen. Cockdog, fantastic side. They played a really good game of cricket. Toss was quite big. Used the wicket. We obviously used the wicket on Saturday, so it was a little bit up and down. And yeah, Clayton played a really good innings and bowled really well again. 75 and a 5. For, he had a good, he had a, it was Clayton's day out, so it was, a, no, it was fantastic. It was a good game. Yeah, not a bad day out. So with regards to the groups, where does this leave things? Well, in the North group, there's a three-horse race, it seems, between Swarston on 139, Mildenall 118 and Great Witchingham 112. In the South Group, well, it is just a two-horse race. Sourceland and Abraham, 155, and Sudbury, 136. That's, of course, their points. All teams with three games to go. Callum, if you take off your Sourceland and Abraham cap and put on your From the Pavilion punditry cap, which you've had on pretty much for the whole show, uh, how do you see those races going in, in both the North and the South Group? In the North Group, I think if it, most most sides would say Swarton are probably the favourites. Mildon Hall... I haven't spoken to a few of them. They they feel they were slightly unlucky in a couple of the rain-offs where they, the Duckworth Lewis kind of was a little bit cruel to them. And in the South group, well, I'd say from our perspective, we kind of, the teams are going to fancy us to drop a few points now, potentially, obviously having lost that first game. It can go in like a spiral effect. So as a, as a group of players, we kind of need to group together and uh, get back on the winning hall. You certainly do. And of course, it's a two-horse race, a competitive one of that. Sudbury will be chomping at the bit, I imagine, to, to get going. Let's round up the rest of our East Anglian Premier League sides in action then and start with Burnham Exning. Well, on Saturday, as I said, all North Group games were washed out, so they didn't get started against Swarston. However, on Monday against Horsford, it was a 132-run loss, unfortunately. When speaking to Jay Galani earlier on this afternoon, he remains upbeat, however admits there has to be changes at the club if they want to improve next campaign. I'm excited to see what we can do in terms of turning this season around. It's a long winter, we know that, but we, we have to try maybe recruit a couple of players, change the club ethos a little bit, but to be a bit more heavily involved pre-season and, and training in the week. What I'd say that Burwell Lexing does have is opportunities for lads who want to step up and play Stangley in Premier League cricket. There are slots to be filled. 
there are places to play for. I think some of the younger ones and some of the lads from the second eleven have a great opportunity now in these last few games to put in some personal performances and say, uh, look, I want to be in the first team next season. There's a few players in that team who have played years of, of a good standard of cricket and they should be helping these juniors through their journey of, of, of Premier League cricket early on. But I think there's also, well, there's a big role for, the, for these senior players in tough times as well to stand up and, and put the performances in. And uh, I don't think many of us can put our hands up and say we've done that this season. So I think actually we need to be leading from the front, uh, the, the core five or six players that we have in the team. Uh, and this year we haven't done that so far. So Burnley Exiting this weekend take on Mildenhall. So they're desperately in need of a win. Still yet to do so this campaign. Well, Saffron Walden, it was a bad weekend for them as well. They didn't get started against Copdock and Old Itswitchian on Saturday. They were washed out, but then suffered a home loss to Frinton on Sea. Frinton on Sea haven't won all campaign, but they managed to on the weekend by 62 runs. When speaking to skipper Ben Harris earlier on this afternoon, he said the season is now done, admitting it's up to Sourceland of Abraham and Sudbury to go to the title in the South Group. However, he is going to be handing out a few Premier League debuts this coming weekend. Frustrating um, weekend. Obviously, the weather won on Saturday and then we lost to Frinton, which was disappointing at home as well. They battered first and I thought, you know, I was pretty happy bowling first considering the amount of rain we'd had. And they set 225, which is probably about par, I'd say. We got off to a good start and then lost four wickets for eight runs. And then we had a partnership of 96. And then we lost our last six wickets for 18. So we had two major batting collapses. And I mean, when you do that in, in a game of cricket, I mean, 99 times out of 100, you'll lose. To be honest, I think it's done. Both Subra and Sawston have played great cricket. And I think it's between those two, the top spot, especially the way the results went. It's kind of opened the door a bit for for Sudbury so for us I think it's you know blooding a few youngsters this weekend I think I'm I think three or four guys are making their Premier League debuts this weekend so we'll see how we go and hopefully they'll learn from it and you know they can take that going forward and you know put it to good use to the experience. Well Saffron Walden this Saturday hosts Sudbury so they can do local rivals Sorton and Bayram a favour if they manage to get a victory there. Uh, with regards to Cambridge, as I said the North Group washed out so they didn't play on the Saturday. However on the Monday it was an unfortunate seven wicket loss against rivals Mildenhall. Up next after the break we'll be joined by Middlesex batsman and T20 Blast Centurion Max Holden. Of course he's a Cambridge lad as well. Cambridge 105 Radio from the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Welcome back to From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. I'm delighted to say we are joined by a very special guest indeed now. Max Holden, Middlesex batsman and former Cambridge man, joins us on the show. Max, thank you ever so much for coming on the show. No problem at all. Good to be here. How have you been over the last week? So I imagine you're pretty pleased to be back playing cricket again. Yeah, it's obviously a... Uh... A long, long start to the summer, really, and, and missing playing cricket. So it's been, uh, it's been really exciting, you know, last three or four weeks to be back playing some four-day cricket, and now um, going to the blast as well. So it's been, uh, it's been pretty exciting, and yeah, we're doing, we're doing okay. Did you feel at one stage that you potentially wouldn't be playing cricket this season? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think um, at one stage it was looking, looking relatively unlikely. It obviously, it looked like you know football and other sports like that might get bad, but I think um, a lot of the county guys thought. County cricket might struggle and might be the one to, to, to be sacrificed this summer. But um, yeah, so that's just, this gives us good perspective. And, you know, at one stage we thought we weren't going to play at all. So if you have a bad day or, or get a low score or a bowler gets whacked, you know, think it's just, you know, it's just great to be out there really. And it's good to be, it's good to be playing really because, yeah, definitely at one stage I thought we might be might be struggling to get back at all. Yeah, we'll come on to the the blast in the county circuit a little bit more later on. Uh, but I just quickly want to touch on on yourself. Um, 100 for yourself against Essex Eagles. It must be mixed emotions given the match then was abandoned due to rain. And also another a thrilling recent match for Middlesex against Kent as well, a 209-run tie. Talk us through both of those matches. Yeah, now obviously the Essex game was, was quite special personally to, to get runs in that, in that first game of the blast. And it's... I went to quite a lot of work on my, on my white ball cricket. You know, historically, I've probably been more of a more red ball player. I think the guys who played against me in Cambridge a long time ago wouldn't probably believe I could, you know, score 120 overs. I was always a bit of a blocker. Um, so it's quite, yeah, and a special to, to get runs in that, in that first game. Um, but then, yeah, the Kent game was probably, yeah, it's probably the best, one of the best games I've ever, ever played in, really. Obviously, got 209 halfway, and we thought, you know, we've, we've you know, got a great chance here. We've got a big score at, um, at Lords. You often get scores over 200 at Lords in T20. So we were pretty confident. and. Sort of ebbed and flowed throughout. I think uh, Kent got off to an unbelievable start. Obviously, Crawley 
coming off the back of the the test match, he was obviously really confident and got them off to a off to a bit of fly. But we fought back fought back really well and um, looked like we we're going to be win again at about the fifteenth over. Then they had another good couple of overs, meaning they only needed five of the last. So obviously that made them you know supreme favourites. But uh, Tom Helm, who's you know obviously on England's radar at the moment, um, bowled an unbelievable last over. Only to go for four. Um, so, yeah, it was a bit of mixed emotions at the end. You didn't know whether to celebrate or, or be disappointed, really. Um, but, yeah, it was, a, it was a great game to be involved in. You said, obviously, you've done a lot of work with your white ball game to try and get away from the old, you know, you know show you've got more strings to your bow. What, what, what would you say you've worked on in particular? Is it obviously you know, hitting gaps and stuff like that? Is it certain areas that you're trying to really nail down? Yeah, I think it's about, I think for me personally, it was about finding my own way in white ball cricket. You know, obviously see see the modern guys who, you know, likes of Banton, people like that, who can go out there and, and clear the rope. I think that is certainly part of the, the one-day game now. I think you have to have the ability to to clear the ropes and, you know, seeing the scores going up in 50-over cricket and, and T20 cricket. So I've had work to my, my power hitting and various things like that, but um, there's definitely more ways you can do it, you know, hitting the gaps, rotating the strike, um, facing as few dot balls as you can. You know, if you're looking to score off as many balls as you as you can, you know, that's going to, the strike rate and things like that are going to look after themselves. So I've just worked on my options of getting off strike and then also options of, you know, my boundary options as well. I think everyone's everyone's boundary options going to be different. People are going to look to score in different areas, whether it's scoops, whether it's down the ground, um, whether it's personal to you. But, um, yeah, I just sort of figured out my boundary options and, and also figured out ways of, of rotating the strike with the main things I, I look to work on. We'll talk about it. Uh, let's talk about Cambridge now then, Max. Um, of course, you're, you're a Cambridge lad. Hills Road Sixth Form College went to Sawston Village College as well, secondary school. Um, Callum plays for Sawston Bayroom, so that's a little bit of a, a link there. But what are your, your earliest memories of cricket in Cambridgeshire as a youngster? Um, well, it's, I, I went to, I played for St Giles um, Cricket Club, I think, from the age of about nine. I think prior to that, I wanted to be a, a professional footballer. So I played for, played for NST Strikers until... <laughs> As a, as a youngster, and I always thought I wanted to try and be a footballer, but um, obviously soon realised I wasn't never going to be um, <laughs> anywhere near good enough to do that. Um, so yeah, joined the joined the local cricket club St Giles. Um, my dad was a was a PE teacher, so he he loved cricket, and he sort of got me into it from a from a young age in the back garden, um, playing with him, and then joined the club um, when I was about nine, and then um, managed to get into Cambridgeshire under tens um, the following year. I think Ian Reid was the the coach. I was a pretty well known um, coach over Cambridgeshire, and he he sort of really beneficial for me in starting my love for the game really made it a you know, really good atmosphere in that side um I still know a couple of guys I played with um in, in that team so it was, that was the first first memory I have really and then managed to sort of progress through the the ages that came mature till about um 13 or 14 I think and then and then moved across to, to Middlesex when I got in the academy there but uh yeah obviously very very grateful for Cambridgeshire for, for starting things off and you know, likes of um, Ian Reid, Kevin Scully those sort of coaches who you know I worked with at a young age and you know they were you know, the guys who started off that, you know, that love for the game and sort of taught me the basics and, and things like that. So, um, yeah, very grateful for them. Yeah, you also played, played a bit of cricket as well for Cambridge Cricket Club, formerly known as Cambridge Grant, probably, you know, best as uh, for a number of years. Of course, you mentioned St Giles as well, slightly further afield with regards to uh, place in the city. Cambridge Cricket Club, more central. What was it like playing in the, the city of Cambridge as a youngster? Yeah, it was unbelievable. Really. I think I, I joined um, Grant when I was about 12, really. Obviously, their, their first team was in the in the Premier League and you know challenged me to myself against you know the the top players around um obviously playing playing at Clare College was a you know unbelievable batting wicket and you know good chance to you know get some time in the middle and, and work on my game and yeah it was a lot of good mates in, in, that, in that Grant or Cambridge Cambridge Cricket Club side um you know like Johnny Atkinson who was who was captain at the time and gave me a lot of opportunities um gave me a lot of opportunities to bowl as well which, which was was really nice to to get some overs in as well um yeah so we had a really good team a lot of good guys to to learn off a lot of senior guys, and for me as a youngster, it was good to to come in and get my first taste of of, um, of men's cricket on you know on a good wicket with you know a lot of good experienced players. So um, yeah, it was really really beneficial. Johnny will be delighted you've mentioned him today. <laughs> uh, Callum, um, we talk obviously a lot about uh, Cambridgeshire and, and playing in Cambridge. Given you've obviously come up from Sussex and played a fair bit there as well, um, what would you say about the I guess the the, the both cities or, or both obviously both counties as a breeding ground for young cricketers and and comparing Cambridgeshire to to other places you've played at? Well, hard to explain really, but it's very uh, it's all very close together. Um, you talk about the Premier League clubs. There's not very very uh, you know Sawston, Burwell, and Cambridge Grant are what are you talking fifteen minutes travel. So it's very close together. Everyone knows everyone. I'd say that's probably <laughs> the main thing I would uh, I'd say. Sussex a bit more spread out. 
a bit like Northlands Premier League as well, pretty spread out in terms of the county. You've got to travel quite a way. Um, so that's one thing. So, like you said, you could be playing against your best mate in the in, in the opposition side pretty much every week. So it's that's an interesting challenge in itself. But you know, as, as Max said, he's probably picked the flattest wicket there at Clare College. So yeah, perfect. probably a good choice. Good choice going over. <laughs> <laughs> I've had uh, complaints from my, my dad. He used to play for. Chemist Grass, I was back in the day and the Chemist Premier League used to play against Grant at Clare College and he as a bowler was not happy bowling at, at Clare College. wasn't the nicest place to play as a bowler. The graveyard shift. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, quite that. You also obviously play for Cambridgeshire as well, Max. I, had a, I spoke to Jay Galani yesterday. In fact, obviously we've already heard in, in today's show and he was saying, he's he got a, a couple of stories of when you were on 99 and you were on up the big shot and your dad was waving you down to nudge a single. Uh, into the ring and you managed to get to your, to three figures and also remembers lots of times coming over to your house and doing thousands of throwdowns in the back garden with your cricket net yeah uh, yeah well it wasn't much of a net but um yeah we uh jay was uh yeah he was obviously a top spin bowler as a, as a youngster i remember playing with him um quite a few times but um yeah definitely you know in the back garden i remember you know a few mates going around and I mean, throws and we actually, you know, used to go to Hills Road Indoor School a lot as well over the winter with Jay and like Mikey Pepper and, and people like that. And yeah, they were good memories and, you know, where it all started off really. Um, but yeah, you know, there's definitely no, no substitute for hitting a lot of balls and, and working hard with the, the guys. More of a homemade net, was it like a washing line and a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a net hold up by, by twigs in the back garden. How much would you say your success then is down to hitting... Thousands of balls, as Jay said, or playing in Cambridgeshire, playing for Cambridge, Cambridge St Giles, etc. How much of your success now for Middlesex is down to your your roots, really playing club cricket in the county? Yeah, it's interesting already. I think I've always sort of grown up thinking there's you know no substitute for hard work, and you know if you if you put the work in and, and put in the hard yards in practice, you know generally you know the performance and and things like that in games will will look after themselves. Um, I think you know as I've got older, I've probably realised that you know it's more about how you practice as opposed to how many balls you hit. You know, I think that the last year or so, I probably hit less balls, but it's been more of a purpose and, um, you know, a real, you know, focus in each session and what I'm trying to get out of it. And, if you know, if I'm just doing it for the sake of it, there's no point doing it. Um, I think as a youngster, I always hit a lot of balls and always train, train really hard, um, you know, and always try to leave no stone left unturned in, in practice. And I think that's, you know, obviously beneficial for me, um, you know, going through and it meant I could hit a lot of balls and work on different things. Um, but I think as I've got a little bit older, you know, I've realised that, you know, you, you know, there's more more to do away from cricket, and sometimes the best thing to do is to switch off and get away from the game for a little while. And then when you do come back, you're really focused, and you can almost get more out of the practice for doing that. Um, but yeah, certainly as a, as a young young guy, you know, um, with the coaches and, and things like that, I used to hit a lot of balls, and you know, really really you know try and grind it in practice because I always thought you know if you work hard that the runs and, and, and various things like that will come. Um, but yeah, so I think a lot of my success early was down to that. But I think more so as I've got older, it's been more just the, the, the focus practice as opposed to the pure volume. And uh, with regards to the local game, we talk a lot on this show generally about formats and, and how the, the local game should be adapted for the next generation. Do you have any thoughts yourself, perhaps looking back or looking from above, I guess, at Middlesex, looking back at the at, lo- at the local scene, or I guess, around the country, you know, whether it be red, white, pink, ball, colour kits, etc., shorter formats, do you have a view on how the future of the local game for grassroots clubs should look? Uh, yeah, it's a tricky one, really. I played a, played a few few games in the Middlesex League the last couple of years because um, all the Middlesex guys are affiliated to, to a Middlesex um, League club, which, is, which has been good. I played for, played for Shepherds Bush. Um, and what they, in the Middlesex League, they sort of do half and half. They do half the year. Um, 50 over cricket, pink ball with coloured kit and, uh, and the other half, you know, the, the time cricket, well, I think what these saying Premier League used to be, um, where it's win-lose draw. So they've got a bit of a mixture of both, which I think works quite well. Um, you know, growing up in, in for playing for, for Grant, it was always, I think, 66 overs for the for the team in the first innings and 54 in the second. Um, and obviously win-lose, win-lose draw. And I always found it was very frustrating, you know, if you if you bat for, particularly on a good wicket like um, like, like Clare College, it's always very tricky to, to bowl the team out. Um, in the second innings and I think that can be frustrating you know playing on a Saturday and you know finding it hard to, to fight for the win um, so I think as much as you can you know trying to have win-lose cricket is is probably the way forward for, you know as far as I'm concerned you know playing in that but um, yeah I think it's always good to have a bit of mixture maybe have some T20 cricket in the in the week and things like that as well is, is always good fun I think there's, all, there's always been a place of white ball cricket and you know learning to strike the ball and hit the ball hard um, but I think it'd be a, be a shame if, if the younger guys aren't you know aren't exposed to that red ball and 
I think that's when you learn your technique. You're going to make mistakes um, as a young players. It's obviously, obviously it's a big challenge, but um, yeah, I think they should you know, should try and keep that you know in as much as they can. I suppose the argument goes, isn't it, for the league format in terms of yourself? Obviously, as a youngster, obviously getting the opportunity, you're probably more likely to get an opportunity as a young batter in the longer format. Obviously, not being able to hit the ball as as far as hard. Obviously, you're probably not going to get picked in the white ball stuff or the the pink ball stuff as we play in the league. So. I suppose as a club, it's a fine line. Well, Max, for now, thank you very much. We'll, uh, we'll have a bit of fun now, move on to the, the quiz, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll leave the serious stuff and candy cricket stuff to later on. Uh, unfortunately, Callum leads 6-0, is it, Callum? It is well, 6-0, yeah. 6-0, yeah. We've been so, very lucky the last couple of weeks. <laughs> so no pressure. Yeah, so no one has, has managed to beat Callum uh, this, this season as of yet. But I have every faith in you, Max. I have every faith in you. The quiz today is, uh, is, a, is a list and I will provide you with the category. And then each of you will take it in turns to give me an answer that fits onto that list. I'm looking for the top 22 run scorers of all time in T20 cricket for England. And it's a penalty shootout style. Uh, if the person answering first gives a wrong answer, the player answering second will still have to then give a correct answer. So I'm looking for the top 22 run scorers of all time in T20 cricket for England. International T20 cricket for England. How does that? How does that sound? Sounds good. Sounds good. Mm. So, Cam's uh, <laughs> got a nervous look on his face. Yeah, uh, to Max's hands. It's not played to Max's hands. It's, you're both England fans, I'm sure. Uh, Max, would you like to go first or second? I'll go first. <laughs> first, Callum. How do you feel? It's fine. <laughs> right, serious face on. So, Max, whenever you're ready, give me your first answer. I said again, reiterate. Look at the top twenty-two. Run scorers of all time in English T20 international cricket. I'll go Owen Morgan start. Yeah, pretty pretty easy one to start. Top of the list is uh, is Owen Morgan. So a point on the board for Max. Callum. Uh, Kevin Peterson. Kevin Peterson is fourth on the list with uh, one thousand one hundred seventy six runs to his name. I'll go Joe Root. Joe Root fifth on the list. 893 runs to his name at a strike rate of 126. Callum? Joss Butler. Joss Butler is also there. We're doing a good job at naming the top five so far. He's third on the list. Go with Hales. And we've completed that top five. 1,644 runs at a strike rate of 137. Jason Roy. <laughs> We're nicely going. Oh, sixth on the list. 800 plus runs to his name at a strike rate of 148. Paul Collingwood. Paul Collingwood is 10th on the list. With 583 runs to his name. Strike rate of 127. Ben Stokes. Ben Stokes. 18th on the list. 305 runs to his name. Strike rate of 134. So dipping slightly lower there. Let's move further into the list. Max? Ravi Vipara. Played last night. He must have scored a few. He is there. Ninth on the list, 711 runs to his name. Strike rate of 119. Moeen Ali. Moeen Ali. Of course, he's there. 15th on the list, 354. Strike rate of 137. Luke Wright also played last night. <laughs> he's there, 8th on the list. Unfortunately, when Callum gives his answers, he can't say played last night. Just dropping him in there. I'm not sure Tim Moses or Waka Hussain will make the list. I'm not sure he's cutting it yet. Uh, where should we go? Johnny Bairstow. He's seventh on the list. We've completed the top 10. 771 runs. A strike rate of 140. How have we got left to name here? We have got 10 left to name. Pretty tight. David Milan. 11th on the list, 553 runs at strike rate of 149. Fantastic strike rate. Mm. The second highest strike rate on this list. Callum, over to you. There's trouble now. Of course, Max went first, so if you do give a, a wrong answer, that would end it. Callum, it's the pressure of going second, I'm afraid. Thanks. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Try James Vince. James Vince recently omitted from the T20 squad. But he's played enough games before, Andy. 17th on the list. 340 runs to his name. Back over to you, Max. Sam Billings. 
Yeah, he's there. 14th on the list. 383 runs. Sorry, I had a 135. Seven left to name. Seven left. I do have a tie-break question in case you manage to miraculously you guess 11 each. One. I do. Right. Uh, Michael Lum. Michael Lum. Of course, played for England in that uh, T20 World Cup win in 2010. And he's on the list. 12th on the list. 552 yeah. runs to his name. Um, Craig Keyswetter, you open with him in that. Didn't you? Yep, he's there, 13th on the list, right next to him. He was majority time at the crease in that T20 World Cup. Five left. It's a top effort, this is. Mm. <laughs> Trying to go through every England side here. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Pryor? He said Matt Pryor. Unfortunately, he's not on the list, Callum. <laughs> Absolute sick what a, win. what a win. He's not on the list. Max, congratulations. Thank you. You're the first person this season to beat the guest. So, a oh, big round of applause for you. Probably, probably a greater Absolutely. achievement than your century the other day. But, um, Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> now there's slightly less pressure anyone else want to chuck a few names out there five left to name David Willey he was I believe 23rd on the list so he'd have just just, just missed out just missed out so like Broad Max, creep in there somehow no Broad was down in the, the late 20s as well I'll run through the remaining five names we had 16th 19th 20th 21st and 22nd left and in this order uh, O.A. Shah 347 runs let's straight out of one two two. Chris Jordan at 19th, 2.26 runs, straight rate of 1.30. Tim Bresden with 216 runs at 20th. Tom Banton, miraculously, despite only playing what handful of games, comes in 21st with 193 runs at a strike rate of 1.57. And 22nd is Samit Patel, 189 runs, strike rate of 1.09. So I guess, if anything, it just <laughs> exposes the lack of T20 international cricket that these some of these players actually play nowadays. But how do you feel, Callum? Gutting out to had to finish at some point, didn't it? The, <laughs> the run did have to come to an end. Coincided. At least, it, at least it was a good game. Max, how'd you feel? Oh, chuffed with that, yeah. Chuffed with that. <laughs> the old uh, the Lama answer gave me the keys after one. I was a bit yeah, struggling well. on that, but um, yeah, great win. Buzzing at that. Congratulations. After the break, we will continue the chat on county cricket, get Max's thoughts on the blast on the 100, and then also ran up the international scene over the last few days. Cambridge 105 Radio. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. So welcome back to From the Pavilion here on Cambridge 105 Radio. Uh, let's continue the chat about county cricket. We're in the company of Middlesex batsman Max Holden. And of course, as ever, Callum Guest alongside me. Uh, before we chat anything seriously about cricket, Max, I want to just touch on uh, your Zoom call that none of our listeners will be able to see, apart from myself and Callum, but there are a number of hats behind you. What are they? Uh, where are they from? Are they cricket caps or just fashion caps? No, they're, they're all my cricket caps and the, the, the teams I've played for um, over the years. Obviously, the Cambridge Grants, the ones there, pride of place in the middle up there. <laughs> um, I actually got the idea from from Angus Fraser, who at the Middlesex and director of cricket, who, who did something similar with his caps. And yeah, just all the, the few of the teams I played for um, over the years, just like to have them up in up my room to... Remember, remember the sides I played for and things like that. And as I said, there's a Cambridgeshire cap up there somewhere and, and the Cambridge Grants one up there. So, um, yeah, this is my, the teams I played for. Nice. I think if I did that, it would consist of one cap. Which is my local village club. <laughs> Callum, what about you? One, one club man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Only club man I could probably play for. What about you, Callum? Uh, I'll have a few, I'll have, I'll have a few, I think, but probably not of the same stature as Matt because <laughs> little collection. I've yeah. seen the North Lance in the middle sex and an England one, I think, so... I think he wins. <laughs> the only England one we've got is the one you probably buy from the club shop before a yeah. game. Anyway, let's move on to the the more serious stuff, and uh, and chat about the the blast. It's been I have to say it's been it's been brilliant to watch so far. I'll just quickly run you through the tables for those who are unaware of the, of the situation, of course, in the north, south, and central group. Well, North and Steelbacks lead the way in the central group, played four one three on seven points. Knots Outlaws and Lancashire Lightning are well, tied first, effectively. Knots leading on run race at the minute, both on five points. And in the South group, Sussex Sharks lead the way, having won two of their three games on five points. Of course, pretty much every side, I think, by, by looking at the stats, Durham had a no result due to the 
the rain on the opening night of the Blast, which, uh, which spoiled a lot of games. But uh, an exciting part about the Blast this year, Max, has been the, of course, despite no one being out there to watch it, is the brilliant numbers that we've seen on the streams. And just showing about Middlesex games, there was over 10,000 watching for the game against Kent, which then went to 11,000 yesterday for the match against Sussex. I know Kent have had about 4,500 on their streams, Essex 5,000 as well. So great, great numbers for the, the Vitality Blast this year. Yeah, it's been excellent. I know, obviously, from a Middlesex point of view, the the media team and the guys who work on the stream and things like that have made a you know big effort to to sort of improve the quality of the stream. I know previously, um, you know, if the game was on Sky, they sort of have one camera behind the arm, and um, it's obviously not quite as good a perspective on, on the game. Um, but I know they you know probably invested a little bit of money and you know put a lot of time into making the stream as as good quality as they can. So I think they're they're really pleased with the numbers it's it's reached. Yeah, the growth of the the blast has been has been there for everyone to see over the last few years, and these numbers just just prove that point. Let's uh, chat about the the hundred. Of course, it's been postponed for a year. As a, a county player for Middlesex, what are your thoughts on the competition? Yeah, I think it's it's going to be great. Really, it's really exciting. I think any competition where you can get you know the best players in the world from from all around the world um, coming over to play. Um, it's going to be good to watch. It's going to be exciting. Um, obviously, initially, everyone was you know, unsure of the format and how it's going to be played and the rules and, and various things like that. But um, for, for the younger guys who get picked up to, to learn off you know, some of the greats, I think it's Steve Smith, Warner, various people like that, we're going to, we're going to come over and play. So if any, any young guys who get picked up, it's going to be you know, great to be exposed to, to some of those guys. And I think you know, running alongside that, obviously, be the 50-over competition um, in county cricket as well, which, which also means you know, that a lot of the younger guys who, who don't get picked up will be able to play in that. Um, so it'll be a good breeding ground for for some you know young players who, who might not always get a go um, to play in that as well. Um, so yeah, I think all the you know vast majority of county cricket are really excited about it, and you know hopefully it's it's just run really well next year, and um, it'll be a uh, yeah, real positive to the county game, and obviously bring a lot, lot more money into into the counties as well. It's it's going to be great. Yeah, there seems to be a the, the fan base. Should we say is pretty split. Um, with regards to those who are in favour of it and, and not. Just to provide some balance and playing devil's advocate to, to what you've just said, given what we've just spoke about with regards to the, the success of the the blast and the sizable growth of it, and we saw the England-Pakistan game on BBC the other night attracted 2.7 million viewers, um, so very good figures indeed. Watching T20 cricket, can you understand perhaps the people who question whether the 100 is necessary at all when you see the growth of the blast and, and the figures for, for watching T20 cricket? Yeah, yeah, I can absolutely understand, and you know, obviously, I think one of the, yeah, it's been hugely positive the the growth of the blast. You know, at Lords, um, you know, certainly the last few years, um, we tend to you know pretty much sell out for for most games for for the Vitality Blast, and you know, it's obviously unbelievable atmosphere. Um, you know, being around there, um, I'm sure you know the you know people you know high up at the ECB have you know looked at the the figures and what type of people may be watching the games and things like that and, and feel the hundred can uh, attract different audience, younger audience, maybe um, perhaps, but um, from a, from a county player's point of view, it's, it's only a positive really. And I think, you know, it'll be exciting to play and exciting to watch and hopefully it won't mean the the blast is sacrificed much at all. I don't think it's run along alongside the hundred. So there'll be, there'll be separate things and hopefully the blast continues to, to be, you know, successful and still attracts, you know, top overseas players and still is on telly and, still attracts those big crowds um so the hundred just added on to that as a another another format of the game that brings in those those huge crowds that you know maybe the 50 over and the, and the four-day cricket don't um so i think yeah i think it'll be hopefully that they both run really well and they they both bring in you know big crowds yeah the incoming ecb chairman ian watmore said that he wanted to make it clear that the hundred is not replacing or or substituting anything it's very much coming alongside the current competitions callum your thoughts on it well, that's it, isn't it? It's, it's they kind of need to find a way of how it can run side by side and almost help, not hinder each other. Both formats, really. Um, that includes the fifty-over format as well. I think that we spoke about it in the past about that potentially being the one. If there was to be a change of, you know, in the structure, that would probably be the one that gets lost somewhere. Um, so it's about making sure all the formats can run side by side and, like I said, help and not hinder one another, really. But from a county and a professional cricketer's point of view, I can imagine it'd be. As Max said, unbelievable to play, you know, shoulder to shoulder with some of the the greats, the modern greats, and you know that can only help English cricket in the future as well because these lads, you know, these young lads coming through potentially trying to push for international honours, they're going to have the confidence and also skill set learning off, you know, some quite high quality players. 
Yeah, I want to sort of touch on Ian Watmore, of course, the incoming ECB chair replacing Colin Graves. He spoke of an inclusive, consultative and collaborative, I quote, approach. He also went on to say that there is a place for all counties, all of the counties in the game. There is a long history and tradition that we need to build upon and retain and counties should be aspiring to be playing all forms of cricket. Each county can play its part in the future of English cricket as well as playing in the core tournaments. Max, when there's been, I guess, a bit of uncertainty in recent weeks around the 18 first-class counties, um, probably some of the, the lesser size, if we're being, no disrespect, probably perhaps more than the likes of Middlesex. Um, but of course, you're in the county circuit. When there has been that uncertainty around them, Colin Graves, one of his lasting words as, as ECB chair was that some of them might need to go part-time, I think. Um are Ian Watmore's words comforting in that it, he's very much looking into a future that hopefully includes all 18 first-class counties? Yeah, absolutely. I think it'd be, you know, it'd be such a shame if, if things had to change in that sense. You know, it's also been 18 counties for, for a long time. Obviously, Durham, well, Durham, probably the most recent county to join that to make it 18. Um, but yeah, I think it'd be, a, it'd be such a shame if, if any of the counties, you know, were, you know, changed their nature, their, you know, professional outfit, I think. Um, even you know some of the so-called uh, smaller counties have played a huge part in you know developing um, you know England players and um, you know so, you know say someone like Leicester produced Stuart Broad not not too not that long ago. Um, so I think it'd be it'd be such a shame. There's obviously so many county members who enjoy going down to watch their their local teams. So I think to see that that go would be be such a shame. So I know all all county you know players I'm sure you know want want that to remain 18 and and remain the you know similar format as it is now. I know. Obviously, money and, and finance and things like that. Obviously, I've, I've no idea about how how things are run, you know, in that sense. But um, I think if in any way they can remain remain as they are, will be will be positive for English cricket. Just want to touch on England last night. Uh, firstly, Callum, you obviously uh, Pakistan won last night. Drew the series one, although the first game affected by rain. Uh, who stood out? Obviously, going into that Australia series on Friday, which starts a three match T Twenty series. Who are you looking forward to see? Of course, the the big boys back in. Moeen and Banton doing very well last night. Obviously, Moeen's just uh, he's a joke sometimes, isn't he? He just makes it look so effortless and easy. Um, and I think that's where we spoke about this earlier in the summer about Butler. It's, it's almost the frustration of this. It's so frustrating because you can just see how good they are. Um, but like we said, it's it's not always easy at international level to score continuous, you know, continuously score big runs. But it's great to see him do. And obviously, Banton just looked full of confidence when he opens the batting. Yeah, has Banton forced his way into your starting eleven for next year's T Twenty World Cup, Callum? I'd say uh, Banton and Roy opening partnership is pretty explosive, so <laughs> so there's there's a high possibility of that happening. I reckon. Why do you reckon Morgan's gone for calling in the big guns this week then to to take on the Aussies? Uh, just keep keep it fresh. Um, obviously, keep the I think the big guns. Obviously, they probably want to get one over Australia after last after the Ashes and stuff. So. And also just get, if we talk about mental mental scars going into it, potentially. So it could be that as well. Yeah, maybe that strongest starting eleven for next year's World Cup, albeit still a, a year and a bit away, is maybe possibly then thinking to start taking shape over the next 12 months. Max, I imagine for you, obviously as a, as a counter player, the next step for you is where you want to be um, is England and, and playing in, in, in the England side. I, I mean this obviously in the, in the most respectful way possible, but looking at that white ball side, do you... I guess sit in your head and think for a minute that's going to be a, a bloody difficult side to get into. Uh, well, yeah, of course. I'm sure if you ask um, all English guys, um, their their dream and aspiration is is to play for England. I think that's what what keeps a lot of guys working and putting in the hard yards to, to obviously aspire to to reach the top. I think from from my point of view, um, obviously play, got a taste of Lions cricket um, a couple of winters ago, which is a great experience to to go away with them and and work with some of the you know the top coaches. Um, but I think at the moment my my only you know, goal and focus is to keep improving as a player and keep trying to contribute to to win some Middlesex. I think if you you get in a, in a tricky in a tricky state when you start looking too far ahead and almost looking above you, obviously you can aspire to that and dream for that. Um, and that keeps you working. But um, I think when you when you look too far ahead or get too far ahead of yourself, that's when you you become unstuck really. Um, so I think yeah, my my main focus is to, to just to work as hard as I can and, and keep trying to improve all formats really. Um, but of course, at England. That England white ball seems unbelievable. You know that this series has shown that the depth of players um, they have, and you know they can, you know, leave out the likes of Butler, and you know they've still got unbelievable players coming in. Um, obviously, it's in a lot of David Milan the last few years at Middlesex, and what an unbelievably consistent and high quality 
you know, all, uh, all format player, particularly T20 player he is. And he's obviously, you know, I think he's fifth in, fifth in the world at the moment in, in ranking T20 and he's not even spoke about as a, as a guarantee to play. Um, so I think this shows the, the quality, obviously, like a Banton. Um, I played a bit of 19s cricket with him a few years ago and he's just an unbelievable talent. He's got got every shot. And I think, like you said, how confident he is is, is unbelievable for, for a young player. He walks out there believing he can take part any any bowling attack in the world, really, which is... Or well, a lot of the you know half the battle of T20 cricket is about is about that. Um, so yeah, it's it's great to watch, and obviously from leading on from the World Cup last year, it's been good for for Morgan to stay around and and keep you know helping those young guys. Obviously, what a great leader he is, and you know he can help you know keep you know bringing likes of banter along, and you know hopefully um, stay around for a few more years. Yeah, I want to come on to Morgan, but just quickly on on England, you obviously mentioned you've been in the the Lions squad, and and obviously there'll be ties at Middlesex, Morgan, and the likes of Angus Fraser with England. Um, is there much talk about, I guess, as a, as a younger player at Middlesex, really about your future in the England setup? Obviously, again, you said you've been with the Lions. Is there much future planning, or is it very much just school runs for your county, and then we'll see where where that takes you? Um, well, of course, yeah, yeah. No, when when you're away with the the Lions and stuff like that, chats with the coaches. It was just Andy Flower and Thorpe with the the lead coaches when I went away, and of course they speak about you know things that you can improve on, and they obviously look at it from a point of view of. You know, if you're going to play the highest level, what would be exposed in your game or what you need to improve to to play, you know, that top level. I think probably, you know, county cricket, international cricket, probably slightly different qualities you need to, to be successful. So they obviously look at it from a, a more England point of view and, you know, the likes of, you know, being able to play the short ball or play, play high quality spin is obviously things you'll get exposed to if you played that that high level. But in terms of in terms of talk, I think, like I said before, you it's so hard to plan ahead or, or look too far ahead in professional sport because that's when, that's when you you know you become stuck and you know bad habits or bad mindsets creeps in really. So there's not not a huge amount of talk about that. It's just about right where are you at the moment? How can you how can you keep getting better technically, mentally, um, physically, um, and keep trying to improve? And hopefully you know you, you keep progressing and, and things look after themselves really. But um, yeah, it's not certainly not from you know Morgan or obviously he can give you advice things like that. But there's no there's obviously no talk about you know that sort of thing. With regards to Morgan. What is he like? Obviously, we know as a captain, he's probably the, the calmest man we've ever seen on screen looking watching from the TV. But away from the field or away from cricket, what sort of a man is he? Yeah, he's he's almost just as you expect, you know, watching on telly, really. Um, he's an unbelievable leader. You know, he came in and he's captained quite a few T20 and one day games to Middlesex when he's been around. And he just uh, the a guy everyone gets about behind immediately. He obviously, commands respect from, from the dressing room. Um, but away from cricket, he's very chilled out. Very relaxed guy. Um, also, also there, always there for the younger guys for for advice and and helping them out along the way. Um, to back with him, you know, unbelievable how you know as you see on telly how calm he is. You know, he can walk out in front of a full house at Lords and he could be he could be going for a stroll in the park. Also, he looks like that from from the other end. How calm he is and how relaxed he is. Um, and also, you know, having having someone that calm in the team also relaxes the the whole other you know ten players really. Um, so it's been been great to have him around. He's a, a, amazing, isn't he, Callum? And um, obviously, Max talks about being so calm, and then obviously talking about Tom Banton as well. And I guess we're talking about the mental state of these cricketers. Tom Banton on an interview said the other day that he just comes out, and if the ball's there to hit, he hits it as as hard as he can. It's almost sort of ignorance is bliss in a sense that he has no worries <laughs> at, at his age. And then we're talking about Morgan again, how calm he is. It's all around the mental state and being ready for that mentally. It's crazy. It's mental, isn't it? It's just. You know, ninety percent of the battle is in in the mind when it comes to elite professional sport. I can imagine. So it's um, it's crazy how he's just found himself in a in that kind of mental mental frame, and can just perform over and over again. Just as a fellow left-handed, you pick his brains and stuff on, you know, shots and you know areas of weakness. Because obviously he went through a stage where he was obviously dropped, played in the Test match side and got dropped and stuff like that. Just do you speak to him about that at all? Or, you know, how to go about it if you do ever get the call up or whatever yeah absolutely you know um you know, just watching him from the other end or watching him in the nets how he goes about his business there's certainly so much to to learn from from him you know how clear he is in his scoring areas in white ball cricket he knows exactly you know to this type of bowler where he's going to hit them where his boundary options are um you know in terms of um you know i last year particularly i probably had a few struggles last year particularly in the red ball format um i think guys i liked you know having um, had a you know decent winter away and things like that was you know quite upbeat and positive about how the season would go and didn't quite go to plan um, a lot of the time um, but he almost spoke about you know not worrying about too much and when you have those hard times and have those struggles that's almost when you learn you know the most about your game and the most about yourself really and, and where you need to improve and you almost kick on from there and if you 
if you don't go through those hard times, um, you know, it's, it's, all, it's almost, you don't always improve as much as you could do really. Um, so we spoke about that and it almost, you know, put a good, you know, swing on things to me that, you know, it's not the end of the world that things haven't quite to plan and you can certainly move forward and, and go again, really. Um, I think if you speak about you know, the England one day team, where they came from, probably, you know, I'm sure you asked Morgan, one of the low, lowest points of his career was that World Cup in Australia um, four years prior to the win, really. And they were almost at rock bottom there. Um, but from there, they were able to, you know, find their identity and find their culture and, almost make huge improvements from that, you know, probably as low as they can go, really. Um, so I think it just shows that in those hard times and, you know, even for the best players, they can they can have them and they move forward and, and improve and, you know, to see where that one-day team's gone from, um, you know, obviously massive failure in Australia and how quickly they changed their, their identity of being a one-day team. And obviously Morgan brought in the guys he wanted to bring in, played the cricket in the way he wanted to do it. And, you know, even when under pressure, they, they maintain that intent and maintain that positivity and, Obviously, it was great to great to watch from the outside how they how they went about it. And I think that's almost easily forgotten, isn't it? Morgan and that World Cup got absolutely slated. I mean, there was a lot of talk about him getting, you know, dropped as captain, probably not playing again. He had a shot. I don't think he had a very good tournament. Obviously, he's gone through the time as I just spoke about the Test match side, where a completely different person. If you look if you look at him there, he's almost like a shell of the man he is now. So you have to, like you said, you have to kind of go through them hard times to, you know, get to what it is. Whereas Someone like a Tom Banton's completely different. He almost goes completely the other way, but he's going to come through stages of his career, which is going to obviously not not score a few runs. So I think that's where you measure measure what someone really is like, I suppose, after after them times. Yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating to chat, Max. Thank you ever so much for coming on, hearing the stories all the way from Jay Galani's throwdowns in your back garden in Cambridge. Yeah. Uh, to, to the highs of batting out in the middle with Owen Morgan. Not too much different, really, from that, is there? Yeah. Uh, but thanks so much for coming on, Max. I really appreciate your time. No and, uh, of course, go well for the rest of the season as well. No worries. No problem. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. So that's it. That's all we have time for this week on From the Pavilion. Thank you very much for tuning in. Thanks massively to Max Holden for coming on the show. Great to chat some great to get insight into his career to date. If you've missed any of today's show, you can catch up on the Cambridge 105 Radio website or you can go to our social media pages at FTP Cricket 105, both on Twitter and Facebook, to download today's podcast. Coming up next on Cambridge 105 Radio is Tim Willett with the new music generator. That's from 7 until 9 o'clock. And just to mark your card sports-wise over the next few days, the 105 Sports Special returns Saturday at 12 as we round up all the best community stories from around the county. And on Sunday, the football season is back. Cambridge United in action on the Saturday from the terraces returns on Sunday. In a new slot at 1 o'clock, we're kicking off with a two-hour special as they review the U's match against Birmingham in the Carabao Cup. But make sure you tune in and listen thanks very much for your company once again we'll be back from the pavilion same time same place next week until then stay safe and well bye bye Cambridge